0: this morning.
1: It was what the prophet Micah would call the least among the clans of Judah. South of Jerusalem, west of the Salt Sea. Heads of wheat bowed to the blades of harvest. Grapes glistened in the afternoon sun. Sheep stumbled along the stony high grounds. Here Jacob would gain a son and bury his beloved Rachel. Ruth would find refuge in the barley field. Samuel would find a king among the shepherds. Shepherds would find a king among the sheep. Soon the tramp of soldiers' feet would fill the silence. Mothers would mourn the lost sons of Bethlehem. The holiness of one night in the little town would be stolen by the sword. But all was not lost one would survive. Like Ruth, he would wander without a home. Like Boaz, he would provide bread for those in need. Like David, he would come from a humble beginning. Like the children who were lost, he would be pierced by a sword. And through the innocence of his death, this son of Bethlehem, become our peace.
0: Well, the prophets foretold it, and that's what we've been looking at in these weeks. We've been uh, looking at a prophetic conspiracy. We've been taking these Sundays and uh, just looking at words of the prophets and how they pointed to what God was about and how... Uh, you know, God was working and that conspiracy was unfolding as uh, time kept moving forward. And uh, if you were with us last week, last week we uh, listened to the prophet uh, Isaiah. And uh, remember, he was a prophet from about, oh, 740 to 681, somewhere in there. Uh, today we're going to turn to another prophet, actually a couple prophets, and uh, those that, that followed, uh, followed after him. First, we're going to look at uh, some words from the prophet uh, Jeremiah. And Jeremiah is the prophet who, who uh, kind of carried on the work that Isaiah was about, speaking to the southern kingdom, and, uh, but speaking even, even more directly and tersely and harshly because uh, their demise was uh, close, uh, close at hand. And actually, uh, with Jeremiah, he is the prophet who saw that destruction uh, take place. Jeremiah was a prophet from about 627 to 586, and it was in 586 that uh, that Jerusalem uh, fell. But it's also in that period where Babylon uh, really took over Jerusalem and took over the southern kingdom, and we had the experience of the first exile uh, to uh, to Babylon. I'm going to move fast this morning because the weather's not real good outside, so uh, hang with me a little bit, and uh, we're just going to give you some 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 big highlights about. Jeremiah and uh, about uh, Prophet uh, Malachi. So, if you brought your Bibles with you, let's let's get into it real quick. Go to uh, Jeremiah 31 if you got your Bible, and uh, we're going to look at some uh, some words that are probably familiar to you uh, from this, this uh, Christmas season. Uh, but they they speak about the the difficult times that were taking place in uh, in Jeremiah's experience. Uh, that it was dark times. You know, I mean, this is a difficult day out there, getting around and and getting here, and uh, so it's just a difficult day. Well, remember Jerusalem, remember the southern kingdom was going through some real difficult days. I mean, they had gone their own way. The kings had gone their own way. They had stopped listening to what God wanted in their life. They had stopped obeying uh, God in their life and, and started doing whatever it is that they wanted to do. And so now they were withdrawn from God. They put distance between themselves and God. And, God. and sent so out what they were experiencing was God's action to try and bring them back. Not only by the words of the prophet, but also by the by the way history was unfolding, the way uh, time was, was unfolding. And now Babylon was at their doorstep, and indeed Babylon now was stepping in In exerting power over the southern kingdom and was deporting some of the the upper crust of uh, Israel, uh, the the skilled labor people and the the rulers, deporting them off to uh, Babylon. Jeremiah 31 is what that is about. In the 15th verse it says, In Ramah a voice is heard crying and weeping loudly. Rachel mourns for her children and refuses to be comforted because they are dead. But I, the Lord, say to dry your tears. Someday your children will come home from the enemy's land. Then all you have done for them will be greatly rewarded. So don't lose hope. I, the Lord, have spoken. Unpack that a little bit. What, what's happening here is, is Isaiah is reflecting on uh, this place, Ramah, which we would know more as, as the Bethlehem area. That That's the, the place where... The Babylonians were gathering up the people and bringing them to Ramah and then they were deporting them from there. It was kind of like the, you know, the getting on the cruise ship place, you know, the, what do they call it, disembarking place where it is. You know, you, know, you go there and you, and you get everybody together and then, and then you take them over there, right? So Ramah is where they were taking all the, the people before they took them off to Babylon. So it was a very difficult place. It was a, a dark time and a dark place because people were being uprooted from Israel, and Israel was falling. And so here, Jeremiah is referring to the angst, to the anguish that the people are experiencing, and he uses the tears of Rachel to do that. Rachel, of course, uh, was considered kind of the mother of of Israel, Jacob's favorite wife, you know, and the ten tribes and all that stuff. So she was kind of the mother of Israel symbolically. And so Jeremiah is saying here, look, these are terrible dark times. And, and even the, the mother of Israel is crying for what's happening now to her children. But did you notice in the middle of it, did you notice in the middle of it what Jeremiah asked the people to do? This is the big point. You ready? In the middle of it, notice he says in verse 16, but I, the Lord, say to do what? But I, the Lord, say, dry up your tears. There it is. But I, the Lord, say, dry your tears. What's up with that? He's giving us this witness that that God is not done. The conspiracy is still underway. And even though the people of God are experiencing a difficult time now because of their actions and because of their wandering away from the desire and the will of God that even in the midst of the darkness and the difficulty that they're going through they can't lose their hope and their peace because the conspiracy is still underway dry your tears dry your tears have a confidence that God is working even in the middle of this difficult experience of deportation and that through this experience somehow the children of Israel will learn how to come back. That, that even the difficult experience they're going through right now, is, as hard as it is for them, he's saying, look, dry your tears. The conspiracy is still underway. God is still working. And this may be an opportunity even for you to learn and be drawn back to the experience of walking with God. Isn't there a lesson in there for us? Now, what's amazing is Matthew... in in his gospel, in the second chapter of Matthew, he also goes to these words of Jeremiah, and he goes to the words of Jeremiah in a very horrendous, difficult time. You know the Christmas story, right? The wise men uh, show up in Jerusalem, and Herod is king, and then the wise men go to Herod, and they say, where should we look for the newborn king? And Herod has to get the guys together and the scribes and figure it all out where to look, and so he sends them off to Bethlehem, the, the kings are warned, now don't go back to Herod, so they go by a different way. They don't go back to Herod, and so what is Herod's solution to the problem? Herod, wanting to preserve his own throne, and wanting to preserve the throne for those who would follow in his family, he sends the soldiers to Bethlehem, and they kill all the young boys two years and under. Would you say that was a difficult experience for the people in Bethlehem? Horrendous! I mean, can you imagine anything worse than that? I mean, can you imagine how horrible that had to be for those mothers and those fathers? Can can you imagine the the devastation that they had to go through? Matthew picks that up. He says, you know, when Herod did that, if you jump down to the 17th verse, So the Lord's promise came true, just as the prophet Jeremiah had said. In Ramah a voice was heard crying and weeping loudly. Rachel was mourning for her children and she refused to be comforted because they were dead. What's he doing? Matthew picks up the experience of God's people in deportation that Jeremiah talked about, applies that to this horrendous, horrible experience that Herod has now perpetrated and understands the same thing. That even in this horrible, terrible experience... God is still about the conspiracy. God is still about the conspiracy. That God is still moving his purposes forward. That even though it's a difficult, horrendous, horrible experience that those people have to have to go through, they can go through the experience because the conspiracy, the action and the activity of God is still underway. That's the lesson for us. That's the lesson for us. That even in the midst of, of the difficulties that we're going to experience in our life, we can dry our tears, we can have a confidence in God, and we can have a peace about the experience and say, you know what, God can use this and I can even learn in the midst of this. That, that God can accomplish something even through this difficulty in my life and, and I can even grow and learn something in this experience. Jeremiah points us to understand that even in the deportation, even in the difficult times, God has not given up on his people. Let me move on to point two. Uh, The the prophet Micah steps into the picture as well, and and Micah uh, continues to uh, proclaim the same kind of word of warning. Uh, Micah was a contemporary of Isaiah and, and Jeremiah. He spoke to the northern kingdom before it fell, and then he also spoke to the, to the southern kingdom uh, of, of Israel. And that's uh, from Micah, where, where we get the words you just saw in the, uh, in the video there, that talks about, uh, about Bethlehem. Remember, Bethlehem is that place now where this horrible experience has happened under Herod's activity. In Micah 5, it says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. What is it? It's just a small village among all the people of Judah. It's it's where I like the town I grew up in, right? I, I grew up in a town of like eleven hundred people. Right? And and you know the thing you'd have to say is now, you know, when you're driving down highway seventy two, make sure you don't blink. Right? Because you could miss my town. It was a small, insignificant kind of place. Well, that's Bethlehem, small, insignificant kind of place. And yet, Micah, years before Jesus would be born, forecasts, look forward, and says, look, God is going to work in Bethlehem. This insignificant, unlikely place is going to be the place where a ruler of Israel will come from, whose origins are from the past. Somebody is going to come out of Bethlehem who is part of a kingly royal family what did Micah understand Micah understood that God works not only in our difficult situations but he doesn't always work the way you and I expect him to work he can work in unlikely ways in unlikely places and through unlikely people remember the, the wise men the wise men come they're looking for the king Where is the first place they go to look for the king? Oh, the likely place. They go to Jerusalem. I mean, that's where you'd think. I mean, it's the holy city. So they go to the likely place, the place that one would expect. They go to where Herod is and the throne is, and that's where they expect the new king to be. But the amazing thing is Herod and all the scribes have to get together and figure out where to send them next. And they send them to Bethlehem. Why? Because Micah told them, that's where God's going to do an amazing thing that you don't expect. In an unlikely, insignificant place. What's the point? Well, we've been talking about difficult times, and Jeremiah's been leading us to dry our tears in those difficult times. In those difficult times, Micah would lead us to be open to unlikely things in in those difficult times that we have to find our way through and as God is trying to teach us and and perhaps bring us back in some ways like the people of Israel in those difficult times we we, we have to be able to be open to whatever God is going to do and he can do things that we don't expect he can do things through unlikely circumstances and unlikely people God won't always act in the way that you and I think God ought to act God is going to act according to his purpose in what's best for us, and he's going to use whoever it is that he needs to bring into our life and whatever situation we need to have in our life. It may not always be what we want and what we expect, but it is what God wants to accomplish in our life. He works not only in the darkest times, but in those darkest times, the conspiracy is underway, and in that conspiracy, he can even use the most unlikely things or the most unlikely people. Isn't that kind of an amazing thing? I mean we'd like to unfold it and keep it packaged and keep it going the way we want to keep it going and, and it, but God is working and God is going to touch the hearts and move people to bring them into our lives that we may not expect. It is the conspiracy that keeps unfolding. And what's the purpose of the conspiracy? For the prophet Jeremiah, for the prophet Micah, the purpose of the conspiracy is to bring us back, and Israel back, into that right relationship. It, it comes in the Jeremiah 33. Jeremiah 33 says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made to the house of Israel, to the house of Judah, in those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from, from David's line, and he will do what is just and right in the land. What is he going to do? What is just and what's right. He's going to do what's just and right. Meaning he's going to do everything that Israel wasn't doing. right? He's going to do what's just and he's going to do what's right. He's going to do everything that you and I don't seem to be able to do. To live just and to live right according to God's purpose and desire for our life. But this one who is coming is going to be able to do all of that. And in those days Judah will be saved, Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called, the Lord our righteous Savior. Is that cool how he put righteous and Savior in that last line? The prophets are pointing us to this one who is coming, who is going to do what we're unable to do. Uh, Jeremiah 23 also uses the same language. You can look at that. Um, but in you, as you grow into the New Testament, uh, Paul reminds us how much we need this one that we can't do, this one that does righteousness. It says in Romans 3, What, 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 what do we clu- conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. As it is written... There is no one righteous, not even one. What do you just tell us? That includes us, right? We don't always get it right. We, don't, we, we just don't always do what God wants us to do. We just don't always get it right. We, we don't do it right and, and just all the time. It, it's part of the weakness of, of who we are as broken people. But the conspiracy is still underway and the conspiracy was to send someone who would do it right and do it just and the the gift to us is he lends that rightness to our lives Romans 5, Paul says it consequently just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all the people so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all for just as through the disobedience of one man there were made many sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, the many were made righteous. And if you follow him further in Romans 5, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we gain access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. What happens? This one who comes that Jeremiah talked about, that Micah talks about, is the one who makes things right and if he makes it right he lends that into our lives and because we know that because we know him because we can rely on him always doing it right and just in those difficult situations we can dry our tears we can dry our tears and we can have peace in those experiences that the conspiracy is still underway and that God is working, even in ways we don't expect and are unlikely, but that God is working for our good and to bring us into that right place. Last last point, as this unfolds then, here's the cool transition. As Jesus lends us that righteousness, as He brings that into our life then, we become part of the conspiracy. We become part of the conspiracy it says in first Peter 2 he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and do what live for righteousness is that awesome isn't that cool we just became part of conspiracy everything the prophets have been talking about everything they've been pointing us to in the person of Jesus Christ when he lends us doing it right, doing it just, the stuff we can't do, when we just let that shower over us and we just give our life, we now live for righteousness. We live to do it right. We live to do it His way. We live to bring Him glory. We live for the conspiracy to continue. We live for righteousness to flow into the lives of other people. The prophets point us to this one and they point us to the unlikely place of Bethlehem and they point us to a righteousness that we can't earn and they point us to a life that lives to the glory and rightness of Jesus. Even in the most difficult of times. Let's pray. Father, thanks for bringing us together this morning. In the most difficult of times, we ask that we would just uh, heed the word of the prophets, that we would uh, listen and understand that you are such an incredible God, that your conspiracy is at work in the person of Jesus, that even in the most difficult of times, we can rely on you, and and that we can trust that you're going to work, even in the most unlikely of ways that we can't anticipate or expect. Just open us up every day to receive the rightness that we can only get through Jesus, the forgiveness and the new life so that our lives can rise above and we can live according to your glory. We ask it through Jesus Christ.